I've been thinking um, about vision and then I thought about dreams and I thought of the scripture in Acts um, in the last days and it says in the last days God will pour out his spirit and your sons and daughters will prophesy in the last days God says I will pour out my spirit on all people who believes we're in the last days who believes we're in the last days and um, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. They will prophesy. I, I was saying last Sunday night, who was he last Sunday night? How to prophesy. Uh, Ezekiel was asked to prophesy to the dead bones. And because the prophets of the Old Testament were so filled of God, they were, they had the Holy Spirit on them, they had the Spirit of God on them, but they also had the Word of God in them, and the Word was quite accurate. In fact, they wrote the word into the Bible. And this is what we read even today. And God said to Ezekiel, uh, speak, to your, speak to these dry bones, which was Israel languishing in captivity. And God says, I want you to stand up in the spirit and I want you to begin to speak to the circumstances of my people languishing in captivity. And so last week we were talking about how to speak to your mountain. Jesus said uh, in the Word of God in Mark chapter 11, speak, say to the mountain, say to the mountain. Let, let's look at that quickly. So let, let's just back up a little bit. So Mark, um, Mark 11, yeah, Mark 11, have faith in God. We're getting somewhere. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. There's a lot of speaking there. And then, of course, I was quoting from Ezekiel uh, 37. And just to reiterate some of this great stuff, which is going to help some people. I want to help some people break out and believe for God's dream for them, God's vision for them. And Ezekiel 37 says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle and it goes on. He asked me, can these dry bones live again? Verse 4, then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the words of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life and I'll attach tendons. This, this army is coming, this, this dead thing, this dead army of people, dead nation is coming to life as God's prophet begins to speak. And verse 7 says, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and I was prophesying 
And there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones came together, bone to bone. I looked in tendons. And you can see this taking form now. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, Holy Spirit, come. And just like in the beginning in Genesis, when God breathed upon man and they came alive, man came alive. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. It's all about the spirit of God, but it's all about the word of God too. And so what, what, what we're seeing now is a strategic shift of God's church coming alive because people are prophesying into it. When you see churches like, like Hillsong um, and other churches all over the world coming alive like they are, this is about people speaking in to a given church and it's becoming a veritable, formidable force of, of a dynamic place where people are coming in, not only being saved, but being encouraged, motivated, set ablaze to live their life in God. Now, God's number one purpose is to build his church. His number one project is to build his church. He's passionate for it. He's doing it all the time. And it's his top shelf desire and intention to build his church. The Bible says, to reveal the manifested glory and purposes and plans of God, not only to the, to the land, but to the heavenlies, it says. And so here's the people. They're living on planet Earth, and they have an option, firstly, to believe in God. And then as they do, acknowledge God, like our two friends this morning, and say yes to God, yes to the light, yes to the wisdom, the truth. Now they begin a journey of faith, a journey of faith, but a, a journey that is dynamic in its uh, outgoing uh, working to not only bless the church, but to bless you. You, my friend, are born to believe in this dream, this vision of the church to be this powerful, awesome, life-giving, life-transforming, healing, signs and wonders, miracles, church that can do so many great things. What I find is sometimes when people don't have vision for the church, they struggle to have vision for their own life. Because it's when you get vision that the church can be all that. If I was to place you into Hillsong right now, as they are meeting, you would go, oh, now I can see it. Big band and lights and Brian Houston, you know, preaching and coming at you with his powerful visionary leadership, you then 
understand the church is a formidable place. People say, I'm in that. I'm, I'm with that. I'm buying in that. Young and old are coming into the church like never before because they're believing with vision the church is a place of incredible, um, incredible consequences. Do you know what I'm saying? And when you realize that your church is like that, it's then seemingly that you um, find your own life. So that's what I want to talk about. And I'll do it as, as wonderfully as I can. Uh, vision is the source and hope of life. Being born again, of course, has given you the capacity to see the vision for the church. If you're born again tonight, you have capacity to see what God wants you to see. It'll stretch you. It'll take you out of your own limits. But as you begin to see the vision for the church and for the globe, it will stretch you out and cause you to live in the dynamic of faith. If I keep stretching out to the vision that God has for the church, I'm in a precarious place of having to believe by faith that I can even live like this. This is a radical life we live. This is just not little safe zone stuff. This is actually believing what the Bible says, believing what God says about my life. I've signed my whole life over to this. This is my whole life, believing that what I say is true, believing by recruiting you that I'm answerable to God at the end of the day. Why did you bring all those people together at C3 Tagra? I brought them, Lord, so that we could build your church, that we could reap a harvest, so that we could encourage them, motivate them, and mobilize them towards the harvest. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Garth, can you just grab that? I just... Praise God. Whoa. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. There's no commitment. There's no unity. There's no discipline. There's no motivation. It's like, oh, I think I'll come to church. <gasps> Man, when you understand what church is, you're highly motivated. You're highly charged to serve it, to give to it, to love it, to, to, to do all that you can to build it. If you have that sort of understanding with vision, you won't have a problem with passion. Passion comes from seeing. Some people don't see the vision for the church. That's Now, if your boy that got saved this morning, who's been on Struggle Street for a long time, you're from Liverpool, you came here, bang, God got you this morning. Your boy comes up the front, and he's not coming to religion, but I'll tell you that right now. He's coming because the church was rocking this morning. Place was filled. Place was dynamic, energetic, life-filled. He's signing off for that. He's not signing off for any other. He's already got vision. And so we've redirected you guys to Liverpool Inspire Church, which is the fourth largest church in the New South Wales, which was our first church that started off when we used to go there with 120 people. The AOG Church, Christian Liverpool Life Centre. We, that was our first church. Now it's a mega, mega facility, just like what you know, we're trying to do here. 
but we're going to send your boy to there because there's 400 youth serving a cause, serving a vision. And they are dreaming of even being bigger than Hillsong. Well, they are. They're, they're just they're, they're the fourth biggest church. They're, they're just under Hillsong. And um, so that's big dreaming, big vision. And the guy will do well in that. If the young people, and if anyone doesn't get the vision of what the church is about, they will struggle in it. They will live uh, not motivated. There's no passion. Um, they're not restrained. They're not disciplined. They, they, they won't serve it with their heart. They won't give to it. They won't give to it. You've got to see this vision of what God wants to do in these days, in these last days through the church. You've got to see that, and in seeing that, you are compelled to believe in it, to serve it, and to give to it. Do you know what I'm saying? Praise God. Give the Lord a hand. You're too quiet. So it says, uh, here is a little... Uh, here is a, Vision is a clear metal image of a preferable future imparted by God to his chosen servants based upon an accurate understanding of God's self-circumstances and church. Vision is not wishful thinking. Vision is not wishful thinking. Vision is having your eyes open to that which God wants you to see. Do you understand that? That's what happened for us. Julie and I had our eyes open many years ago and we ran into a scripture like this. We thought we had... It understood what God was wanting to do and say, but then we found a scripture that, that said something like this in, in Isaiah uh, 55, verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. So when you can understand God's thoughts, God's ways, God's dream for your life, who gives who gives vision to your life? God gives you vision. God gives you vision. You've got to ask God for vision. You've got to be honest with God. Say, God, I'm floundering. I'm coming to church. It's nice. But I'm struggling to give my best. I'm struggling to serve the kingdom of God. Because we, see, we're called to, ser- to seek the kingdom and all his righteousness. And then all these things are going to be added unto us. And I find this. This is the guts of it. I find people who have vision for the church, that serve the church, love the church, give to the church, want to see the church rock. I see God adding all this other great life to them. I see their health doing well. I see them having good jobs. I see their finances doing well. I see their, I see their marriages doing well. I see them being blessed. Matty Shaw's a testimony of that. He's seeking God. He, he's here every Sunday. And God just presents this beautiful woman to him. The woman of his dreams, Fiona, who is also got the same heart. I mean, the same uh, hobbies, the same likes and dislikes. And you couldn't have asked for a better woman for this young guy that got married. Uh, was it early this year now? Matt and Fiona? Was it last year? Seemingly, this is what God, um, seemingly, this is what I'm seeing more and more Men and women and families that understand vision for what God is doing, for why you've been sent to planet Earth, and when you realize, oh my God, I'm not only here to get saved, but to help build the church, to help reap a harvest, 
to help serve the house, to give to the house. When we understand that vision, God adds all these other things unto our life. Seek ye first the kingdom, and God will add all these other things unto you. Do you understand that? Matthew 6, chapter 33. It's fantastic. So some of us need to refire our vision. God is powerfully at work through his church to save, heal, reconcile the lost and the world to himself. It's supernatural and powerful. And if you can see it, it compels you to live for him in a most dramatic way. His church needs to be ablaze with the power and the life of the harvest. Harvesting, harvesting is what God is about in these days. Um, Ephesians 3.10 says, I'm crunching this, the church has been and is central to his entire purpose since the beginning of time. Ephesians 3.10 says, his intent was that now through the church, through the church, I said, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love this stuff. And what you're seeing is a divine shift of people's hearts, seeing God's plan for the world. That is, what's vision? Vision is a preferred future for the harvest, healing, salvation, redemption, His kingdom coming. People are having a divine strategic shift all over the world saying, my God, the church, the church is really the answer to the world. We better get a true understanding. We better get a true commitment. We better get our heart undivided towards God through the church. A lot of people's hearts are divided. Some, some of their life is down here. Some of their life is over here. Oh, some, of our, some of their life once a month is in the church. That ain't going to do it. But when they're focused on the vision at hand and say, God, you, you want me to help build your number one purpose. Your number one intent is to build your church, to reveal your manifested glory, to reveal your power, to reveal your gospel, to reveal yourself through that church. I believe, guys, I honestly believe that's when your life seemingly begins to be reconciled unto him. All the frayed edges, all the darkness, the gray areas, all the areas of your life that seemingly are just a mess, seemingly God says, right, now let's do this. Romans, um, what's it say here? Romans 8.28, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He begins to rearrange your life, turn things around. All of a sudden you find that wife, you find that husband, your finances, your job comes. All of a sudden as you begin to serve the church, love the church, find your vision in God and his higher purposes, all of a sudden he begins to turn all these things around because he wants you to prosper. He wants you to live a life defined and blessed and, and powerfully effective in building. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. 
This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of a time. But the point is, who has saved us and called us to a holy life. It's top shelf stuff, this. God never really birthed anyone on the planet to live a mediocre life. Everyone's called to a holy life. Everyone's called to live a life to build the church, to to help God release the gospel. Now, don't I just attend church and, 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 you know, love God there and hang out there? No. God's aim for your life is for you to serve with all that you are, your time, your talent, your treasure. Serve the house to build the house and to cause that house to rock for God. Do you understand that? You're not just being saved to go to heaven. You have a calling and a destiny. You've got to catch the vision of God's purpose for your life and for the church of Jesus Christ. Let it motivate you to live a life of purpose and destiny. And I'll say it again, all over the world, there's a strategic shift of people's hearts to the purposes and the plans of the church, to the kingdom, and in that they're living their best life. People are living their best life. Matthew 16, 25 says, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life, for me, will find it. So people that are trying to preserve their life. Now, look, this is, this is getting out of hand, serving God, coming to church or, or, you know, all the time and worshiping God and giving my life to him like this. But the Bible says, if you try and preserve it and hold back from him, now I'm going to hold back that time. I'm going to hold back that finances. I'm going to hold back this here, this talent. The Bible says you actually lose your life. Another version says, I think it's, uh, yeah, look, it's in another version, but it says, if you seek to save your life, you will lose it. Yet, if you are willing to lose it for my vision of your life, you will truly live. I've got to quote that again. That's powerful. If you seek to save your life, you will lose it. You get more disgruntled, more dejected, more disappointed, more disappointed. If you try and preserve your life into a nice little safe sanctuary, nice little safe haven, you watch. You can have the best of all things. You can have the best house, the best things, luxuries and these things, but really... In your heart of hearts, you're not happy. And again, the Bible says, if you seek to save your life, you will lose it. Yet if you are willing to lose it, give for my vision of your life, you will truly live. The other thing I wanted to say uh, was about dreams. And uh, my time is gone. But dreams, another way that God speaks to us through uh, us, he I think sometimes dreams are like seeds. We get fragments. God is a giver of dreams. We are called to dream, have a dream for our life. We need to dream and envision the best for our life. But dreams can be supernatural. And God can get to us even in our, even in our sleep time. But we can dream actually being awake too. You can actually dream being awake. And dreams are powerful. You've got to hang on to your dream. You've got to believe in your dream. You've got to... And some of the questions would be, what do you dream about? What has God enabled you to see that does not yet exist? And you will never outdream God. Listen, uh, in uh, Ephesians 3.20, the message says, 
God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. God wants you to dream. God loves dreamers. He's the giver of new dreams and the mender of broken ones. When you dream, you move closer to the way he sees things. In that moment, you rise above your limitations. You move from where you are to where he wants you to be. In other words, you begin to see your goals in the completed state. The question is not, can you dream, but do you have the courage to act on it? Is there a dream in your heart? Has life buried it? Have others told you it's too late? Don't you believe it? Pursue your dream, no matter how far-fetched it may seem, for dreams are like children. They're your offspring. They're the joy of your present and the hope of your future. Protect them, feed them, encourage them to grow, because as long as you have a dream, you'll never, you'll never be old. Ah, I'm talking about, I'm talking about a God-given dream that leads to God-honoring results. God has a dream for you and you will seek Him. You will seek Him. If you seek Him, He will reveal it. I've got a great message. Jules, can you grab that uh, book out of my bag? This is a, this is amazing and this will finish me up. Um, this is fantastic. Love this. Love this. Keep dreaming, guys. Keep believing. Thank you, Jesus. This is an amazing story. Admiral Joe Fowler was in the United States Navy during both World War I and World War II. He was a naval architect, and during World War II, he was in charge of West Coast ship construction. Among, among his many uh, notable accomplishments, he was, in the, he was the designer of the two largest aircraft carriers of the time, the USS Lexington, who's heard of that, and the USS Saratoga, mission accomplished. He retired after the war from the Navy in, in 1948 at the age of 54. Short time later, Walt Disney looked him up. Disney had a dream of building an extravagant family theme park in California. He figured that if Fowler could successfully handle everything he had done in the military, he would have the know-how to head up the design and construction of the park, which he wanted to call Disneyland. Fowler felt he was up to the challenge and he accepted the job. Not only did Fowler head up the design and construction process, but he, was all, but he also managed the park's operations for years after Disneyland opened in 1955. My goodness. A decade later, Disney had a new dream to build a similar theme park on the other side of the United States in Florida. He wanted to call it Walt Disney World, and he persuaded his friend Joe Fowler, same guy, to be in charge of designing and constructing that one too. The Florida project came with even more challenges, not the least of which was creating the park in the midst of thousands of acres of swampland. By now, Fowler was 71, and most people his age were taking it easy. But he said yes again. By the time it was finished in 1971, he was 77. Now he could retire. But when he was 87 years old, his friend, Disney, asked him to help with the design of the new Epcot Park next to Walt Disney World. At 87, they had to persuade him harder this time. They flew him down to the site and they showed him the new mission. Nobody had ever seen such a thing before and they wanted him to build it. The fire lit up in his eyes. He said, yes again. 
around that time, somebody interviewed him and asked, why in the world at 87 would you take such a huge project on? Fowler's reply, you don't have to die until you want to. Oh, that's what he said. You don't have to die until you want to. He completed the Epcot project with time to spare, finally laying down the drafting board at the age of 99 in 1993. As far as Joe Fowler was concerned, as long as he had purpose and mission, he had no limits. He was famous for saying, in response to Disney's most outrageous demands, can do. Can do. He's a can do man. He's a can do guy. I love that stuff. It's awesome. Uh, clearly, Admiral Joe Fowler was not afflicted with what I call limitation thinking. He was a confident, humble, motivated all the, all the time. And as a result, he accomplished a legendary amount of, in his lifetime, more than several ordinary people. To accomplish even lesser goals, most of us, however, seem to have to break through quite a few limitations in our thinking, especially if we're going to succeed on God's terms for God's purposes. Our limitations are mostly in our minds, often in our spirits and sometimes in our bodies to fulfill the vision God gave us for our lives. We have to break through old ways of thinking and acting how we turn our spiritual spiritually and physically has so much to do with our minds. Let's all stand. God bless you. There's, there's some great stuff there. Father, we want to continue to dream and envision great stuff for our life. There's some people that are dreaming and visioning. Yeah, musicians. Some of you have laid down your dreams. Some of you are struggling with vision for the church, for your life. I want to suggest to you that if you understand what God's doing through your church, through the church at large, your personal vision and your personal life will be blessed in amongst all that you do in serving God and His vision for what He wants to do in the land at this stage, at this moment. Right now, I believe God. Right now, I believe God is speaking to some of us here that have laid down our dreams, laid down our vision. Some of us are struggling to see how it can personally bless us because God does want to personally bless you. God wants to bless you in serving Him and seeing what He wants you to do. God has a dream. God has a vision for your life. And I want to say to you right now, if you let the scales fall from your eyes and you see with your heart what God wants you to do, what God wants you to see, shall compel you and motivate you to be blessed, to be a blessing. And as you seek the kingdom like this and his righteousness, the Bible says he shall give you all your needs, all your needs of whatever you need. So I say this to you. You were born for a time, for a season such as this. You were born to be blessed completely out of your socks. You were, you were born to fulfill a high calling and most noble cause in Christ to build his church serve the cause of Christ Father God I'm praying resurrection to dreams and visions in this house to believe despite what any circumstance says I declare that the dreams and visions 
that God shall begin to give you. They shall propel you and motivate you into the most exciting and dynamic life of serving God, loving God, worshiping God. And in that, you will be blessed. Every circumstance of your life will be blessed. Your health will be blessed. I see people getting fit. I see people getting strong in their health. I see people becoming clear-minded. I see people understanding who their friends are. I see people understanding what direction they're supposed to, to go in. I see people who are beginning to understand their significance and their purpose in God. Father, dear God in heaven, we ask right now that every good dream and every good vision that you want us to see, Lord, and believe in would begin from this moment to manifest itself in the lives, in the life of this house. Jesus, I'm praying right now that, Lord, let those dreams live again. Let those dreams live again. Let us see, Lord. Let us be compelled to live our life in God all over again. In Jesus' name. I wonder if we can lift that music up.